Well, hey, church, how you guys doing this morning? Are you good? Are you excited to be here? Are you cold? Oh, I don't know about you, man. I'm ready for spring, like real spring. We got, like, we got the facsimile of it. Like, they teased us, right, with spring. Uh, hey, uh, man, I'm so glad you guys are here. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Brian. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Fusion, and I have the opportunity today uh, of closing out the series that we've been talking through the last several weeks called Sabotage. Now, if you haven't been here with us throughout the series, don't worry. Uh, You haven't missed anything that you're going to need in order to be able to participate or get something out of today. But if you're so inclined and you want to hear the rest of the series, we'd love for you to go to our website, check out the podcast, and kind of catch up on anything that you missed uh, throughout this series. It's been a great series. You guys like this series? Have you gotten anything out of this at all? A little little hand clap if if you've enjoyed it. All right, good. That's good. That's good. Um, Well, today is the the fourth and final week uh, of Sabotage. And if you haven't been with us, by the way, and we really like new people here at Fusion. So much, in fact, that we'll give you a gift just for coming and hang out with us. So if this is your first time or even if it's your second time, uh, if you would take just a couple of minutes during your time with us today to fill out your, the connection card, that's the, the bottom portion of the program that you got when you came in. If you'll fill that out with just a little bit of information and then take that to the hub, that's the area just inside the doors as you came in, we have a gift there for you. Again, just our way of saying thanks for hanging out. We're really glad that you're here. It's cold and rainy outside. You could have stayed in the bed uh, instead of coming to church for the very first time. And so the fact that you chose to come and hang out with us on a cold, rainy morning where you could have stayed in the bed, that means a lot to us. And we'd love to show our appreciation by giving you a gift. So just take your connection card to the hub and we have your gift there. Now, if you haven't been with us, what we've been talking about for the last several weeks is that that God, when he, when he saves us, when we enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, our Savior, when God saves us, he gives us a mission. The mission of the church, the mission of Christ's followers, the mission of believers is to then take the gospel. That is the good news. God, and we've, we've learned this together. The gospel just means good news. That's what it is. It's the good news. And the good news is that God loved us enough, those that he has saved, to bring us into a relationship with him by not counting our sins against us, but rather allowing his son Jesus to serve as a sacrifice in our place so that when God now sees us, he doesn't see our imperfections or our guilt or all the things that we've done wrong, but he sees that the sacrifice of his son as a covering for us so that we who were once enemies of God in our sin and our unrighteousness and all of our mistakes and all that other kind of stuff can now be in a relationship with God because Jesus has covered us. That's good news, right? That we were enemies of God, that we couldn't be in a relationship with God because of our sin, because we were imperfect and he's perfect and you can't put imperfect and imperfect together. It just doesn't mix. And so God said, here's what I'll do. I'll count the sacrifice of my son as the covering for all of your imperfections so that you who were once imperfect can now be in relationship with me, God, who is perfect. That's really good news because I don't know about you, but the last thing I want to be is an enemy of God. Right? I want to be with God. I want to be in relationship with God. And we get that through Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that we who were once enemies and separated from God can be in a relationship with him. That's good news. That's the gospel. And then God said, here's what I want you to do. Don't keep the good news to yourself. But I want you to go and share, spread, disseminate, infiltrate. Just get it out there. This gospel, this good news, here's the problem. Sometimes you and I, we get in the way, don't we? 
We sabotage the relationships that God would have us to use to spread the gospel, the good news of his love for humanity. We sabotage that by by being a little bit self-righteous because once Jesus cleans you up and you start to feel a little bit better about who you are before God, kind of puffs you up a little bit. And it can be easy then to allow that to create distance between you and people who are yet saved. And we talked about that in week one. Or in week two, actually. In week one, we talked about how Christians should be the most encouraging people on the planet. Because the the least that we can ever be after we've entered into a relationship with God through Christ is a child of God. That's the least that we can ever be. And if that's the worst that I can ever be, is a child of God, then what do I have to be discouraged about? And that, that, that encouragement that we should feel because of who we are in Christ should then, again, be just infectious to the people that we're around. That Christians should be the most, people should get out of bed in the morning and be like, I need to go find me a Christian to hang out with because those people are encouraging and I feel a little ratty today. Like that's, that's how it should be if we're, if we're being the encouraging people that God has called us to be. And then last week, what we talked about in order for us to be uh, relationally healthy, that we have to be spiritually healthy ourselves, and that sometimes we, we kind of miss some of the things that work their way into our life. And we end up with some stuff in us that makes us ineffective in spreading the gospel. And so we need some other people in our life to hold us accountable and to point out the things that they can see in us that we can't see in ourselves. Because we learn together that the person that you are most likely to give the benefit of the doubt to is you. Right? You'll give yourself the benefit of the doubt long before you give it to anybody else. And we have to be careful then because those, those instances where we kind of let ourselves off the hook can lead us into a place where we become ineffective in spreading the gospel. And then to close out our time together, I want to talk today about how we should go about thinking through every interaction that we have with people so that we don't miss an opportunity to do the things that God would have us to do in joining with him in the spread of this thing that we call the gospel. And I'd like to set it up like this. If you would um, just think with me for a minute. Um, Show of hands, quick poll. Um, How many of you have ever ended up in the downward rabbit hole spiral thing of YouTube or Facebook? Show of hands. Like I got on here to check my email and four and a half later I'm still looking at YouTube videos. Right, yeah, all right, I'm there. Uh, all right, so for maybe for those of you who aren't um, like social media or, or YouTube fanatics, um, and this one might even be a little, a little scarier for me. How many of you have ever been on a long trip? It happens most often for me on trips that I'm familiar with. I'm going to a place that I've been to a, a number of times. And um, for about a 20-minute ah, period or so, you have no recollection of driving your vehicle for the last 20 minutes. Show of hands. How many has that ever happened to Right, well, I told you guys last week I was in the Marine Corps. I used to travel back and, home, back and forth between um, Kannapolis and Havelock. There's this long stretch of Highway 70 between like Raleigh and Kinston. That's just a long, straight path. Like there's nothing, there's, there's nothing. You do not want to break down in this stretch of road. It's about, I don't know, 30, 40 miles. I can't tell you how many times I kind of woke up in Kinston. No memory. Like I remember Raleigh and now I'm in Kinston. I've been driving a thousand pound vehicle at 60 miles an hour for about 45 minutes to an hour. I have no recollection of thinking about anything during that time at all. Anybody else? Right? Isn't that scary to you? How easily we lose time that you and me 
could actually operate a car, a thousand, thousands of pounds piece of metal at high speeds, and have and, and like just like, oh, I've been driving. Like I, I didn't even know, like, whoa, wait, what happened, right? It's crazy to me how easily that can happen. Now, as that pertains to how we think about our lives as Christians, here's what I want us to see. That you and I, every single day, have tremendous amounts of opportunity to make positive impacts for the kingdom through the spread of the gospel. And I can't help but wonder that if it's possible for me to lose three or four hours looking at social media, if it's possible for me to operate my vehicle without any awareness or recognition, how much more easy is it for me to miss the daily opportunities that I have to share the gospel? You see, I think it's completely possible for us in our relationships with other people to just get through our day and get to the end of the day and not have had any meaningful conversation at all. Just because, like, I just I got to get my work done and I got to get the kids from school and I got to make the, 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 the dinner tonight and we got to clean up the house and then we got that thing at the in-laws tonight. And, and at the end of the day, to just kind of do life with actually being present, like living but not really being alive, like just kind of existing, it's possible, isn't it? We've probably all experienced it just like we've experienced driving with no recollection of driving. So Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, has a lot to say about that. So, so here's what I want to do before we read some scripture. Here's a uh, big idea to kind of formulate our time together today is this. You never miss the divine opportunities you're not looking for. If you're not looking for them, you'll never know that you missed them. I stumbled across an author this week as I was doing some research for the message, and her name was C. Joybell C. And she said that anything that she called, anything that happens by accident, an effortless destiny. I really like that semantic when you think about it, that, that anything that I don't work to affect change in, anything that I allow to happen, anything that I remove effort from is still going to be my destiny. It's still going to happen, but I have no control over it whatsoever, no awareness of anything that's going on. As it pertains to our relationship with Christ and the call in our lives to be message carriers of the gospel, if you and I are not looking to make an impact in this world because of our response to the gospel. If we're not intentionally trying to make that happen, you'll never be aware that it's not. Let me say that again so that it sings. I want to make sure we get that one. If you are not intentionally trying to make an impact with the gospel, you'll never be aware that you didn't. Only when you're trying, only when you're applying effort do you then become aware of your success or failure to do so. So as Paul is closing out his letter to the church in Colossae, he writes these words to give them the same challenge that I believe applies to us today as we seek to intentionally be 
disseminators of the gospel. He says this, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, if you have your Bibles or you can read along with us on the screen. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. We've talked about that. Pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may, pro- that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I, mo- that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And then watch this, verse 5. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every, in the Greek that means every opportunity. Every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full, be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So Paul gives us a warning that we should be careful how we interact with outsiders. That's people who are not yet part of the faith, those who do not have a relationship with Christ. Be wise in how you act towards outsiders. And here's how. Here's here's how you can be wise in how you act with outsiders. By making the most of every opportunity. Now, if that's true, that the way that, I, the way that I live wisely is to, to be mindful of how I act towards outsiders, then the converse is, is also true. It is unwise, therefore, outside of the way that God would have us to live, for us to not make the most of every opportunity. And then he tells us, like he makes it pretty simple. All right, so Paul, if, I, if, if I'm asking, if I could ask Paul questions. All right, so I, I, I want to live wise. And in order to do that, I have to make the most of opportunity. Well, Paul, how do I make the most of opportunity? Or the most of every opportunity? And this is what he says. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Here's what that looks like, right? And this kind of goes back to week one. Again, Paul is closing out his letter that he's writing to the church at Colossae. He's closing out, so he's kind of giving this recap of everything that we've talked about in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Now we're in chapter 4, and Paul says, hey, let your speech, let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Here's what that looks like. Lots of compassion, lots of mercy, lots of encouragement, lots of forgiveness. Let it be full of grace, you know, grace. That forgiving thing, that thing that you can't earn, but you give it anyway, or that you get it anyway. Like we should be giving that with all, like the, every, like every time you talk to a believer, their, their, their conversation should be full of this, right? Like you give them all the hate and the angst and the ugly and the nasty and all that kind of stuff. You know what you get back from a believer? Conversation full of grace, full of compassion, full of mercy, full of forgiveness and encouragement. And he says, now, you can season it with salt. You ever been around somebody who uses way too much salt? Right? Can't eat it, right? Can't stand it. Can't, can't stand to have it in your life. So Paul says, now, now we, don't, we don't just give grace, like just, blah, 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 just all grace, no truth. We give tons of grace. But, but we season it. Like I, our 
our grace is, is rooted in something, and that thing that it's rooted in is truth. Now, we, we've talked a lot about the, the paradox between grace and truth, right? Jesus came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. He was all grace and all truth. And we struggle with that balance sometimes. But here's what Paul says. When we talk to those who are outside of the faith, here's how you talk to them. Full of grace, mercy, compassion, forgiveness, grace. But, but make sure that like, it's, it's got to have some truth in there. It has to be rooted. It has to be centered in truth. It has to be centered in the gospel. But, be, but man, don't, don't be abrasive, right? You eat, too, you eat food with too much salt, you know, you, you know, like you know instantly it's abrasive. You don't want to be around it. Paul's saying, don't be like that. Let your conversation be full of grace. And then season it. Season, season your conversation with truth. Season it with salt. And then he says, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I think this, other translations um, say each person. If you read in the ESV, it says, so that you know how to answer each person. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to have a theology degree and be able to answer every doctrinal question of Scripture. But Paul, I think, again, here is speaking to the intentionality of how we, inter- of how we engage with every interaction that we have with somebody, especially those who are outside of the faith. Paul says, make sure that you think about each person individually. Right? Like you can't, you can't have a blanket answer for every person in every situation. Every person is different. Every situation is different. Every circumstance is different. So Paul is saying be, be wise. Be intentional with how you convey the gospel to each person that you encounter. Make the most of every opportunity. Which means that every opportunity requires your full attention. That you can't just think about well, I'm going to go to work today and I'm going to talk to all of my coworkers at one time about Jesus. And I'm going to be full of grace to all. No, it has to happen one-to-one to each person, to every body. Paul says, be intentional with how you speak. Make sure that your conversation is full of grace. Season with salt. Make the most of every opportunity. I was reminded of this kind of intentional living um, about two weeks ago. Uh, I was doing some volunteer work at a church and another church, helping out some folks with some Boy Scouts, some Cub Scouts, and uh, I was leaving and a friend of mine was there picking up his son that was practicing baseball in the field behind the church. And he, he saw me walking through the parking lot and he rolled his window down, called me over and we went over and he said, hey man, what, you got a minute? I was like, yeah. So we just sat down and we're kind of chilling, hanging out, talking in his car. And, uh, and his, his son gets out of practice and comes over and gets in the car. And, um, and we talked for a few minutes and the kid gets in the car. And I, introduced, I got to meet his, his son Jake and we're talking, the three of us or whatever. And we started to do that thing where like the conversation is winding down. It's like, all right, man, hey, well, I'll see you later. Like I gotta get home and... You know, get dinner for the kids and get the kids in the bed. We're starting, you, know, you, know, you know how that conversation goes. Like, it, this signifies I'm ready to leave. You know what I'm talking about, that part of the conversation? Like, this is me letting you know that this conversation is over because, bro, I got to go. Right? You know what I'm talking about? So that's what's going on. Like, I'm doing that thing. He's doing that. Like, hey, man, I'm busy. I got to get out of here. Like, yeah, I got to get the kids in the bed. And then, we're doing thing. And then this is what he says. It, it, it floored me for all the wrong reasons. He said, hey, man, how much you pray for us before you go? I was like, man, I wasn't even thinking about praying. Like, I'm thinking about dinner. Like, I, I got to get home because the kid, hey, why don't, why don't you pray for us? 
And I said, yeah, dude, love to. And then he turns around to his son, Jake, and says, hey, Jake, man, Brian's going to pray for us. What's one thing you wanted to pray for? And Jake's like, nah, you know how freshmen are? Like, freshman boys, and like, nah, I don't know, man, just whatever. Like, you know, he's doing that thing, right? And he's like, no, 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 like, no, like, like, Brian, like, this dude can pray. Like, he's a pray talks to Jesus. Like, tell him something that you want God to do in your life, like pushing his son. And Jake's like, I don't know, man, just pray that, like, the rest of the year goes well. Okay. And so, and then, and then I prayed. Like, I prayed for, for Jake and for, his name's Brian, too, because all godly men are named Brian. Like, so, he's, so he, I prayed for him, I prayed for Brian, prayed for his son, Jake. And then I got out of the car, I got out of my truck, and I'm ready to leave. And I had this, like, just incredible moment with God where I was extremely grateful that I have a relationship with this other dude named Brian. He's actually a pastor of a church in Harrisburg called Convergence Church, Brian Ottinger. If you're ever in Harrisburg, go check him out. It's great. I'm so, like, God, man, thank you for that dude that, that called me to prayer in a moment where I'm like, I'm just like, we just, ran, we just bumped into each other. He's like, dude, let's pray. I, I was extremely encouraged and at the exact same moment extremely convicted. Like this dude walks through his life looking for every opportunity to pray or be prayed for. To have his son pray or be prayed for. I was just walking through a parking lot trying to get home so I can get my kids dinner and get them to bed. Like I, prayer in that moment. Listen, confessions of a pastor. Right, here we go. In that moment. I wasn't thinking about praying for anybody. I wasn't thinking about advancing the gospel. I wasn't thinking about making the most of that opportunity. Like, this dude's a pastor. He knows Jesus. I don't need to pray for him. Like, he don't need me to, like, minister to him. But he asked me to. And at that moment, I was made aware both of my failure to do exactly what Paul's talking about in his letter to the Colossians. And grateful that somebody pointed it out to me. We talked last week about accountability. We're talking this week about making the most of every opportunity. And I love that. Because there's a truth that we repeat here quite often. And it's this if you want to write it down. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I'm glad that I got friends like Brian Ottinger. Because in that moment I was reminded of my failure. I was encouraged, I was lifted up. I prayed with him and his son. Like it, was just, it was a great moment. I, I need more people like that in my life. I need more people calling me to pray when I'm not thinking about prayer, when it's an opportunity that prayer should happen or could happen. I, I need people around me that are making that kind of impact on me, that are leading me in the moments where I fail. And the same thing that's true for me is true for you. That we are going to continually be influenced by the people that we put around us. So in the same way that we should be intentional with how we act and how we think about those who are outside of the faith, we should also be intentional in putting people around us that make us stronger in our faith and in our walk with Christ. And that's what happened for me a couple of Tuesday nights ago. Because he was intentional to take advantage of the moment, to not miss the opportunity. Because we're always going to be influenced. 
by those that we're around. Have, let me ask you this question. Have you, ever, um, have you ever hung out with friends that spend money like it's water? You ever, you ever been around these friends? Like you go out, like my wife and I, when we go out to dinner, like we go eat dinner and then we, we, like, we go home because we're, we, like, we save money. Like we, we don't have a lot of money, so we don't spend a lot of money. So we, we go out to eat. And that's kind of the end, like, that's, that's, that's a night out for, for Brian and Aaron Duncan. Like, we go eat, and then we go home, and people say, what would you do last night? We say, we went out last night. Because it's different than staying at home. Like, we, we didn't stay at home, so we went out. That's a night out for us. We went to dinner. That's a thing. Like, we did a thing last night. There was an event. Something significant happened because we went to a restaurant. Like, that's, that's big for us. Now, at different points in my life, I've, I've hung out with friends that, that would do this. We would go out to eat dinner. And then they'd be like, hey, let's run over here to Kohl's. I want to go look for, like, a shirt or whatever. And then we go to Kohl's. And then after Kohl's, we go to Starbucks. And then we go get coffee. And then after coffee, we go somewhere to get dessert. Like, so we'd, we'd have, like, four different stops in the night, and we'd spend money at all of them. And do you know what I noticed about my life in those moments? Was that I was more apt to spend money at all the places that we went that take money because I was hanging out with people that like to go and spend money. Now, I'm not knocking them. That's like, that's, you can choose to, and that, if, if like I just told, like if that's how you go out, like hit four different places and spend money, all of them, like that's cool if it's in the budget because we talk about budgeting here a lot too. Like, yeah, that's cool if you got the budget to do that. But here's the truth for me and you. I want to hang out with you. I got like if that's you and you want to hang out with me and Aaron, let me introduce you to a Dunkin' night out, right? We're gonna go eat dinner at like Arby's. <laughs> and then you can come back to our house and we'll play cards. Cause it's I already own the cards and they're free. That's that's a night out for us. Like that's like, whoo, we're living, we're old. <laughs> we're so old. Because we're influenced by the people that we're around. And you'll notice you start to talk like people that you're around. You start to think like them. You start to hang out the way that they hang out and do the things that they do because we're always influenced by the people who are around us. Now, that means two things for us because that's true. And you're laughing, all of you, because you know it's true. Here's what it means for us because it's true. You should be the kind of person that it would benefit other people to be around you. Make the most of every opportunity in the way that you act towards outsiders. Right? Do your hands like this. Here's what it also means. You got to be careful about who you're around. You don't want to have any accidental relationships. You don't want to have anything, any kind of relationships in your life that do nothing for the advancement of the kingdom either in your life or the other person's. Because if we're making the most of every opportunity, that means that every interaction that I have with another individual means that some part of that conversation should either get me closer to Christ or them closer to Christ. We don't want to have any accidental relationships where we just exist. That do nothing for the spread of the gospel. Nothing to encourage. Nothing to build up. Nothing to make an impact with the gospel. We don't want any of those relationships. All of our relationships should do something. And they should do something for the kingdom. In, in preparing for this series, 
actually for most of the series that we preach here at Fusion, I get together with a couple of other guys. And we sit around and talk about the content for these messages, and they help me figure out how to, how to teach and how to lead and how to talk through and all that kind of thing. They give me ideas, and we kind of back and forth. It's a really great process. You, sh- you guys should know that if you enjoy anything about what happens up here because I preach or because somebody else preaches, that, like, that's a whole team effort. There are multiple guys behind the scenes making all of that stuff. Like, I get to be the one up here talking, and sometimes you guys come up to me and you shake my hand like, hey, Pastor, that was a really good sermon. I'm like, well, you should go talk to Cameron and Kevin because they're the ones that make it great. Like, so anyway, um, in, in one of those meetings, we were talking through this last chapter of Colossians. And I think it was Cameron that, that pointed out. You guys know Cameron. He comes up and, and talks to us at the end sometimes. And he's, he's spoken here a couple times on stage. And Cameron said, you know, as, as I was reading through this, here's what I realized. That at the end of Paul's letters that, that he writes in the New Testament, like he always has like this whole laundry list of guys or, or people that, that he's saying and, and greetings from and greetings to and so-and-so says, what's up? And this dude says, how's your mom and him? And like, like he's, he's kind of got all these like, these kind of, it's kind of the, out, the outflow of the, the outro of his letter. And he's kind of giving all these names and, and in, and Cameron said, I'm guilty of this. And he, what he was talking about, I'm guilty of too. Like I kind of just gloss over those. I'm like, I don't know any of these people. And I don't know what these mean. Like I just kind of. I kind of read really quick over those verses and then I'm on to the next thing because I, I never found any significance in those. But Cameron pointed out to it, I think, again, I think it was Cameron that said, man, like for the first time in thinking through this, look at all these amazing relationships. Look at how intentional Paul was with how he lived his life. And then he listed all these names of people and how they impacted him or how he impacted their life. And, and, it, and it clicked for me. And so here's what I want to do. Um, on the off chance... That you, like Cameron and myself, have ever read through the end of Colossians and not paid any attention to it. Or maybe you've never read it at all because you saw just a big list of names and so you kind of passed over it. I'm going to read the last mm, 13 verses or so for us. And I just want you to, I just want you to kind of to hang in, right, and listen through this because there's some significance here that I don't want us to miss. So I'm going to read it all. If you'll just follow along with me, don't laugh at me if I struggle with the names, right? Some of them are hard. Let's read together. Colossians 4, starting in in chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Tychius will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who was one of you. He was from Colossae. They will tell you everything that's happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greeting, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who's called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. 
After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that it is in turn you read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Now, I wish I had time to, to unpack like all of these guys and their stories, and I don't know a whole lot about all of them. Uh, but I want to share with just a couple of them to show you the impact that Paul made on their life and their impact on his. Uh, a couple of guys stick out to me. Number one, uh, Paul talks about Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway slave. He, he was a slave of a uh, slave owner named Philemon. You can go read that about that in the book of Philemon, a letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. Onesimus was a runaway slave. Paul is going to eventually send Onesimus back to Philemon and ask him to receive Onesimus as a fellow brother in Christ because of the work that God has done in the life of Onesimus. Now, how does Paul know about the work of Christ that's been done in Onesimus? Because Paul spent time with Onesimus, right? And, and Paul, through his interaction with Onesimus, has the opportunity to, to change this, this runaway, unfaithful, disobedient, like runaway, done something wrong person into a faithful worker for Christ. And then he sends him back to his slave owner. But then tells the slave owner, no, you got to take this guy back. He's not just a slave anymore. Now he's a brother in Christ. And that's how I want you to receive him. Imagine the kind of relationship Paul would have had to have with Onesimus to be able to see that transformation happen. And then imagine the relational capital Paul has to do with Philemon to say, hey, I want you to take this guy back. So Paul's writing about Onesimus in his letter to the church in Colossae. To let them know, hey, this dude that used to be part of you guys, man, he's doing great things for you. And then the next that kind of that sticks out to me. Paul says, let me tell you about this guy, Mark. He's Barnabas' cousin. And he's been a tremendous comfort to me. And if he comes to you, I've sent you instructions about him. You're to welcome him. Here's why that's interesting. Earlier in Paul's life, <clears throat> Paul and Barnabas were, were doing great work in planting churches and spreading the gospel and all this great missionary work. Mark joined them. Barnabas' cousin Mark comes along for the journey. They're all hanging out. They're all doing great kingdom work together. At some point in the journey or whatever, and for whatever reason, Mark decides, I'm out. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to go home for a little bit. So Mark leaves Paul and Barnabas, makes Paul angry. Paul gets very upset that Mark would just bail on him like that. So he goes back home. Then a couple chapters later in the book of Acts, he shows back up and, and Barnabas is like, hey, Mark's back. Let's take Mark. And Paul's like, man, I ain't have nothing to do with that guy. Like he's going to just bounce out like that, leave us, like bail on us or whatever. Like I'm not hanging out with that dude. Barnabas, if you want to hang out with him, you and Mark go do your thing. I'm going to take Silas. We're going to do our own thing, right? So, so Paul goes and does his own thing. Will have has nothing to do, wants nothing to do with Mark. And then in this letter to the church at Colossae, Paul says, hey, let me tell you about this dude, Mark. Man, he's been such a comfort to me, such an encouragement to me. Same guy, Barnabas' cousin. I want nothing to do with him, but now we're buddies and he's comforting me. How does that change happen? Let me tell you how. Because Paul made the most of every opportunity had conversation that was full of grace, seasoned with some salt. And at some point in his life, he and Mark saw this guy's doing good kingdom work, and this guy's doing good kingdom work, and let's just be buddies because we're on the same team doing the same thing after the same result. Intentional 
relationships in Paul's life, saw a runaway slave be sent back to his master as a child of God and asked to be received. And saw a man who Paul once considered a foe become a friend and an encouragement. So let me ask you, if I were to come to your office or your shop or the place that you work tomorrow, what would I find you doing other than your job? Of course. Jesus, when he was 12 years old, his parents couldn't find him, and he was in the temple. And when they finally caught up to him and found him, they were like, hey, we've been looking for you. And he's like, well, you should have looked in the temple. Like, didn't you know? Like, wouldn't you know to, to find me where I could be about my father's business? Tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and all the days after that, when you're at work, What I find you being about your father's business or what I find you just trying to make it through the day. Living out your, what did she call it? Your effortless destiny. Just existing. You see, if you and I are going to keep from sabotaging the relationships by actually taking notice of them, if we're going to keep from doing that, here's what we have to do. We have to wake up every single day with a mission in mind. That today I have the responsibility of being a banner carrier of the gospel. God has given me good news. And he's challenged me to make the most of every opportunity. Here's what I don't want for you or for me. I don't want to get to the end of my life and have regret for all of the opportunities that I failed to take advantage of, that I failed to notice. I don't want to be confronted with all the chances that I had to advance the kingdom and be reminded of how many of those I missed. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you commit with me today to evaluate all the relationships in your life, all of them, family, friends, coworkers, enemies, people you like, people you don't, will you evaluate all of them? Take stock and then ask this question, what opportunities exist for me to have a conversation that advances the kingdom who is going to be better because they're around me? Who am I or who can I be around that's going to make me a better follower of Christ? We have to evaluate every relationship by those standards. And I think if we do that, we'll be a whole lot closer to being the kind of message carriers of the gospel that God has designed us to be. Would you pray with me? Father... It's my hope <clears throat> that today, God, you would convict where there needs to be conviction. God, would you inspire where there needs to be inspiration. Each of us to look honestly at every relationship in our lives. That, God, we may make an evaluation of, 
of how we live. God, we know that you've designed us and called us to be on mission for you. God, you've entrusted us with this great message of hope through Jesus, your son. God, I'd ask that now, Father, you would embolden each of us with a courage to live life on purpose. To view every interaction with someone else through the lens of how can this relationship make a gospel impact. God, would you give us the opportunities and then make us just so acutely aware of each of them. God, that we might not miss one more chance to push somebody else closer to you or be brought closer to you ourselves. Father, we thank you for the hope and the peace and the joy that we have through Jesus, your son. It's in his name I pray. Amen.